Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Because we have the choir here today, we're going to start off with, some, with morning sing, which means we're going to sing some songs from the hymnals and invite you to sing along with us. Uh, the first one is number 397, which is a traditional round. Morning has come, night is away, rise with the sun and welcome the day. Before we sing that, we're going to set it up with a little bit of a circle song, since we had Francisco Ruiz here back in November teaching us how to do circle singing. So um, we're going to get a little circle song accompaniment going, and then I will bring you in on the round. I got to think of a better key. I started you yeah. guys so low. <laughs> Go ahead, you've got your gray hymnal. Go to number 38. This is an old favorite, Morning Has Broken. We'll sing all three verses. Morning has broken. 
So now you can put down your gray hymnal and grab the turquoise hymnal and flip to number 1010, 1010, We Give Thanks by Wendy Luella Perkins. And let's get our energy going. Why don't you rise in body or spirit for this one? Just to get that breath going. Oh, we give thanks for this precious day. Processional, flip to number 1000, the first song in the book. The choir's going to start out singing the first verse very slowly, so you don't have to do that, but you can jump in with us on verse two, so just be ready for that. That's right, you too. With your heart beating fast and your cheeks on fire, with 
sharp stone in your throat, full heart, dipped in ice. Come in, come in, and sing a song of gladness, for you are one of us, and we have felt it too. We've all known shame and let it tangle our feet. But now, it's time to greet the day, to let love's open hearth thaw your cringing heart. You are among friends here. The light of love shines upon each face, upon each part of your full self. Be brave in the shelter of each other. Dance with joy to the music of your soul. Kristen Satterley, and I'm so happy to welcome all of you to First Unitarian. If this is your first time here, or you've been part of this congregation for years, whether you're in this sanctuary, or physically, or the family room, or social hall, each one of you is an important part of our celebration today. In fact, take a moment to look around at this beautiful congregation, all these beautiful faces. Notice the people right next to you and the people across the room. It is good to be together. And it is also good to remember that every one of us, young and old, is a human being, and that human beings get tickles in our throats, and our devices make noise. Any of us might wiggle or get up and dance to the music, giggle or sigh or be moved to shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Beautiful, I love it. This may be a place of stillness, but while we are here together, it is never a place of total silence. And we wouldn't want that anyway. We love all the little sounds that remind us that this is a living, multi-generational congregation. And speaking of multiple generations, we have something new for our little ones that has been found already. Down here, right in front, is our new playground. That's right, playground with an R. 
but also with an L because there are toys here and a soft rug to hang out on during the service. We still have the activity table in the back if that's more your little one's speed and the family room across the way with a live feed of the service if you really wanna cut loose. Welcome to everyone on this beautiful morning. Come, let us worship together. Ready for some meditation and prayer time? I notice our doors to the sanctuary are still open. Usually our ushers close them. Would somebody be willing to close those doors for us? Thank you. And I invite you to breathe. And if you feel like it, do a little stretch. Do you want to stretch? There we go. Good job. Maybe roll your shoulders. With your next breath, see if you can soften a little. And then give your weight over to that seat. We'll share a couple of minutes of stillness together. Looking for that inner stillness. Presence, attention to breath. When your mind wanders, just gently bring it back. And any noises you hear are just there to call you to this present moment. And breath and stillness. Let's continue in meditation.
Let's lift up some prayers in our community. We are horrified by the death of father and photographer Tyree Nichols at the hands of police. Tyree Nichols, just yards from his family home, the latest unarmed motorist killed by police at a traffic stop. One study found that this happens, an unarmed motorist killed at a traffic stop on average once per week in the US. We pray for justice for Tyree Nichols and his family, for all victims and their families. And let us not only pray, but demand an end to brutality and the culture that replicates it over and over again, on camera, off camera, week after week. I know we carry many names and places in our minds, names of people and places in our prayers. I invite you to call them to mind now. And as the chime rings, speak them aloud so that we can hold them with you. All these we lift up to the great powers of healing and renewal, known by many names. Will you join me in prayer? Spirit of life, love that holds all, thank you. On hard days, it helps to begin there. Thank you for the cleansing winter cold, for nourishing dark, for sunlight coaxing spring, for another day of living and for all of the beautiful possibilities this day contains seen and unseen. Thank you for all of the people, all the people of all ages, all walks of life who've gathered this morning to pray and dream and plan and seek this morning together. Thank you for the mountains and the stars above us, reminding us of our place in the world, reminding us that whether or not we believe in God, we are not God. We are much smaller than that. Thank you. And yet we have been given consciousness and spirit and love, so we have an important role. So thank you, but also help us. We need help to have the courage to face each day we need help changing human systems, patterns of violence, patterns that assign more value to some lives than others. It's overwhelming. It takes courage to not avert our eyes, to do something about it, knowing that none of us can solve it alone, but we all have a part to play. Help us. We need help when illness or injury or anger knock us over. We need help and comfort when our loved ones are lost. We need help reaching out to the person we see who is also praying thank you and help and who would be a friend if we only knew each other better. Help us to find one another. May love pour down on each person and bring them peace. And may we be a help to others. May we perhaps answer the prayer of another through our own manner of being in the world. Amen. And peace be with you.
So when Kristen Famula told me that her sermon topic for this week was cringe, and I already had the choir signed up on the calendar, I thought, what are we going to sing? And then I found in our files this wonderful Kirby Shaw jazz arrangement called Failure to Swing. So if you've ever been one of those people, and I probably have been, where you're listening to some really cool jazz music and you're going, one, two, three, and somebody's looking at you like you're clapping on one and three. That's a moment. So we're going to get you clapping on one, two, four. Get you clapping on two and four. I'm so excited that we have joining Nisha Ray at the piano, we have Rose Malecki on electric bass, Evan Kennedy Sadek on drums. They are both part of our, our youth program. And soloists today are Bill Rankin and Pauline Labar Shelton.
key swings. You don't know Jack, only two pounds of swing in his ten pound sack. And when he's standing at the pearly gates, St. Peter says, son, you wait too late. So now someone help him cop some chops, cause he can't get his bead box. I cannot tell a lie. The swing bus passed you by. Failure to swing. Now I know what you think you're trying to do is good. But that just ain't right. Nah, 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 come on, man. If you can't do better than that, let the choir come in and do this thing. It's something a little bit like this. Embarrassment is a pretty universal feeling. With a few exceptions, most of us have experienced those moments in life that leave you wishing you could disappear. Every once in a while, someone shares an embarrassing story on social media, and it starts a collective airing of embarrassing moments, going viral as it makes the rounds and folks chime in. Here, are some of our favorites. See if any feel relatable. Ready? <laughs> I work at a movie theater and yesterday I said, enjoy your movie to someone and she said, you too. And I said, you're welcome. <laughs> and we just stared at each other for a sec. When I worked as a cashier, I wanted to say, have a great day. But I said, have grass. <laughs> and the customer said, you too. I held the door open for a woman, and she said, thank you. I tried to say, you're welcome, or not a problem. But my mouth said, you're a problem. Screaming, just hugged my dentist thinking he was going in for one, but really he was just taking off my dental bib. <laughs> Don't think I can ever recover from this. When I was in court, I forgot what to call the judge, and I accidentally called him Your Majesty. <laughs> and he was like, what? And I repeated it. I was in a park, and a lady loudly called out, anyone who wants an ice cream, come over here. I headed over with several others. She handed out ices to all of them, then asked me, who are you? I realized the rest were all her family. 30 years later, I still cringe. 
just tried on a coat at the store. It was the coat of a customer trying on another coat. <laughs> I can never leave the house again. A waiter once told me that a nice wine pairs well with a certain food. I took one sip and I said to the waiter, wow, you can really taste the pears. <laughs> My date literally facepalmed. <laughs> Went to get a haircut today. Barber, what do you do for a living? Me, I'm a writer. What do you do? <laughs> I, I'm a barber. We didn't speak for the rest of the haircut. I am happy to announce that I shall never be interacting with another human being again. <laughs> Three years ago, a cute person I worked with wanted to give me a fist bump, but I thought they were pretending to hold an invisible microphone, so I leaned forward and said, hello? <laughs> I'm moving to another country now. I love that one. I saw a girl carrying a hamster, so I asked if I could pet it, but it was actually a muffin. <laughs> I haven't slept since. Ugh. Cringe. A few years ago, I was invited to co-facilitate a program at a Unitarian Universalist multi-day leadership school. Even though I knew I had a lot of experience to bring to the gathering, I felt very intimidated by the caliber of other invited leaders. And when I arrived on site, I felt waves of anxiety wash over me. And so I decided to call my mom who has just the right balance of loving, empathetic care and kick-in-the-pants energy. I knew if anyone could knock me out of my anxious self-doubt, she could. After a good, long walk while talking with her, I felt re-energized and confident about the work. That afternoon, I had a great meeting with my co-leader and I felt ready to jump into the start of the week-long gathering. That evening, I sent my mom a text. Thanks for being my mommy today. But I didn't send it to my mom. I sent it to my co-leader. Cringe. Embarrassment is called the more fleeting side of the so-called self-conscious emotions, like shame and guilt and humiliation. You might have heard the difference between shame and guilt being I am bad versus I have done something bad. And then you have embarrassment, usually silly, a seemingly less serious feeling, yet very uncomfortable all the same. And of course, all of these feelings, shame, guilt, embarrassment, they're all intertwined because what might be an embarrassing experience for one could be a shameful experience for another, depending on context and life circumstances and history. Originally, people thought that the reason for feeling embarrassed by these situations, like the toilet paper stuck on your foot, 
or not recognizing someone you've already met is that we don't want other people to have a negative impression of us. We fear being misunderstood or disappointing someone we care about. But that doesn't quite explain embarrassment in other situations. Like when you're having a meal in a public place and all of a sudden everyone sings happy birthday to you. Psychologists speculate that embarrassment in these kinds of situations comes from the angst of navigating an unfamiliar social context. Whatever the reasons, what makes embarrassment so interesting is that it is a very universal feeling. So universal that when you're in the midst of the heart racing, face flushed moment, the people around you will often feel such strong empathy for you that they'll experience vicarious embarrassment. Like the barber and the person getting their hair cut and not knowing how to interact with one another for the rest of the time together. Just hearing those earlier, st earlier stories makes me cringe. And even though embarrassment seems harmless, it can have very real repercussions. For example, studies have shown that one factor in whether a bystander to an emergency will jump in and help someone is fear of embarrassment. Not fear of being sued, which you might think. Statistics show that it's often because a person is preemptively embarrassed about being judged on their performance. Embarrassment can literally make the difference between being able to help someone or not, even if it's subconscious. There are whole fields of study that teach negotiators how to help folks save face because helping people get out of an embarrassing situation can help prevent violence and war. If you can't find a way of gracefully escalating, gracefully exiting an escalating conflict, it might actually feel easier to just resort to more violence rather than risking the pain of embarrassment. The resolution to the Cuban Missile Crisis included agreements that would allow both sides to retain personal and national honor by making it seem that both had won so as to allow them to save face. People will go to great lengths to prevent or mitigate embarrassing situations. The phenomenon of embarrassment plays a large role in how we interact with the world around us. Embarrassment occurs in relationship to others. If there aren't other people, it's rarely embarrassing. That time that I fell on the stairs in middle school and my backpack ripped open and everything fell out, if there hadn't been kids walking around me and giggling and pointing, it wouldn't have been embarrassing. Painful, yes. Frustrating, yes. But not embarrassing. Embarrassment is embarrassment because of the way we are in relationship to other humans. It's a social emotion. It occurs because of and with other people. And because we are humans interacting with other humans, it means we get to navigate some very uncomfortable moments in our lives. Author and professor Leah Hager Cohen studied the impact of embarrassment in a variety of places, including schools. 
She was studying the rise of plagiarism in colleges. And she found that the increase in cheating was a direct result of school culture, a culture that glorified intelligence. So much so that students felt embarrassed if they didn't already know all of the answers, rather than seeing school as a place to learn. This fear of being embarrassed about being perceived as unintelligent happens beyond this school setting. She shares this example. You know when you're with people you want to impress, people you find a little intimidating? Maybe you're feeling like you don't fit in and you're worried you'll be found out. And somebody mentions a writer or the title of a book in this tone like, naturally you know what I'm talking about. And even though you have no clue, you do this little thing where you narrow your eyes and purse your lips and you give this thoughtful nod. What is it culturally that creates a seeming need to pretend to know the answer and to be embarrassed by our ignorance? The plagiarism example in schools got me thinking about our church communities. Do we create a similar culture where, where folks are fearful of being embarrassed. There's a sweet call to worship that I love by Unitarian Universalist Andrew Pakula. It goes, come into this circle of community, be not tentative, bring your whole self. I really like the sentiment and I so want it to be that easy. And yet, even in our Unitarian Universalist circles, embarrassment can keep us from being fully ourselves. We strive to foster inclusion and authenticity and to be a warm and welcoming place. Still, there are probably pieces of ourselves that we leave behind. Maybe we're unsure of how people will receive us or we feel like we need to code switch or we're so used to only bringing the pieces of ourselves that feel palatable to people. The Unitarian Universalist Association's Widening the Circle of Concern report, which was a result of a comprehensive review of the ways our UU culture must evolve in order to fully live into who we want to be, notes that UU communities mimic characteristics of white supremacy culture, including placing a high value on perfectionism. Perfectionism feels familiar to that inadvertent school culture where we, risk, where we fear risking the embarrassment of not knowing. Tima Okun and others who helped bring recognition to the ways that white supremacy culture show up in so many places Name a few characteristics of perfectionism. They include things like making a mistake is confused with being a mistake, doing wrong with being wrong, and the tendency to identify what's wrong with little ability to identify and appreciate what's right. Like the school culture, these cultural norms in our communities inadvertently promote embarrassment, and not the silly kind, but the kind that makes you fearful to support someone in need, uncomfortable admitting you don't know, 
or giving up some of yourself to save face. In other words, the fear of embarrassment often comes at the cost of connection and authenticity and community. The professor we mentioned before who studied plagiarism and told the story about the knowing nod you give when you want to pretend you know the book that someone mentions. She says she has a friend who, instead of the nod, offers this courageous response. She says, I don't know that book. I've never heard of that person you named. And this small tweak becomes liberating. This professor, instead of having the same old cautionary conversation with her students at the beginning of the year, warning them about the repercussions of plagiarism and cheating, instead, she starts her year with this story of her friend's courageous act about admitting what you don't know. This allows her to have a conversation with their students about that fear of embarrassment, which then makes space for creating a new norm of not knowing, re-normalizing the space as being one of learning. From there, she says, the class pledges to commit to bravery, to owning our limits, and this transforms the compulsion towards cheating. There is a gift in embarrassment, an invitation to examine the deeper cultural drivers that make it hard for us to show up as our whole selves. It's an uncomfortable reminder that we are social beings navigating complex lives, awkward, imperfect humans in vastly imperfect systems. And so what small tweaks can we make as we work to foster a culture where it's okay to be embarrassed? What can you imagine as ways that we can covenant to make space for vulnerability? Maybe we can normalize being a learning community, not just for interns. We're saying, I don't know, tell me more, is part of our growth. Maybe we can practice humility and compassion instead of perfection. Go ahead. Reach out to someone who's hurting, even if you're unsure of how to start or don't feel like you know them well enough. The fear of embarrassment can lead us to be defensive, reclusive, fearful, and anxiety-ridden, the opposite of what we strive to offer here. Part of building a culture with a collective center of vulnerability and authenticity is to practice new ways of being together we can covenant with each other to practice being one of those places where everyone can truly bring their full selves, regardless of how embarrassing it might feel. We need each other. We need spaces where we can be vulnerable, authentic, whole. And life is short. And there just isn't time for bringing anything but our whole selves to be alive and real and kind with one another in compassionate, humble, loving ways. Let's practice together. And may this be a space where we can bring our whole selves and be authentically with each other through the ridiculous awkwardness of this life. May it be so.
each other of each other in the shelter of our lives, we are open. We are dreaming. We are hopeful. We are hopeful. We are wise. What do we do when we feel ashamed? When we start to lose our sense of joy, our sense of connection? It's tempting to turn inward, to lose ourselves further in blame and self-recrimination. But here, in this community, we can turn outward instead. We can reach out, we can ask for help. And as part of that same powerful circle of connection, we can give of ourselves to help others. There are lots of ways to do that in this church, giving time and talent by ushering, serving coffee, teaching English as a second language, packing up groceries for the food pantry, reaching out when someone needs a supportive word, even if we don't know where to start. And also by giving our resources, by making and fulfilling our yearly pledges, and by sharing with First Unitarians Change for the Future partners. This quarter's partner is Street Safe New Mexico, a small, all-volunteer-run organization that provides essential services to women trafficked in the sex trade, many of whom are also unhoused or in need of mental health or other care. You can donate to Street Safe, or you just did, by putting your loose change in the collection box, or by using the envelope on the back of your chair in front of you. Simply label the envelope CFF. We gratefully receive the offering. And you're welcome to sing along on the echoes. In the shelter. In the shelter. Of each other. Of each other. In the shelter of our lives, of our lives, we are open, we are open, we are dreaming, we are dreaming, we are hopeful, we are hopeful, we are wise, we are wise. In the shelter of each other, in the shelter of our lives, we are open, we are dreaming, we are hope. Start to lose our sense of joy, our sense of connection. And though our history.
history remains It's our actions we must change If we hope to heal our planet We must stand In the shelter In the shelter Of each other Of each other in the shelter of our lives, we are open, we are dreaming, we are dreaming, we are hopeful, we are wise, we are wise, we are wise. We give thanks for these, the blessings of these gifts on First Unitarian Church of Albuquerque and on Street Safe New Mexico. We love visitors, so if you're a visitor here, if it's your first time or second time, if you want to put your hand up, we'd love to give you a warm welcome. <laughs> are, you, are you a visitor? She's a visitor. Woo! <laughs> I love that. Big announcement here. Today is our annual meeting. It's going to happen right here at 2 o'clock. You can also participate on Zoom if you prefer. Between now and then, we're going to have, uh, between the end of the surface, and then we're going to have a soup fundraiser lunch in the, in the social hall, as well as a fundraiser for our youth programs. And our string band will be playing as well, too. And so the annual meeting is a big deal. This is where we live into the truth of our fifth principle, which is that we practice democracy as a way of running this congregation. So the congregation itself will approve the budget and changes to the bylaws and the changes and the possible addition of the eighth principle. So really big conversation today. Hope you can join us. And I'm really excited to invite you to Zoom Vespers. Uh, we started Zoom Vespers in uh, the early days of 2020 when we really needed that extra source of connection with one another, and it has remained that um, and become really important to me. And I love it for the music and the poetry, but most of all for that community, which gets closer every time we share our joys and concerns with one another. Um, so I am thrilled that after a holiday hiatus, Vespers is back at seven o'clock on Wednesdays with new Zoom information. So y'all come to Vespers, but don't use the old information. Uh, get onto the website and scroll down to where it says Wednesday night Zoom Vespers and click on that link uh, to get there. And I really hope to see you all there. Also, I want to add, um, at, uh, right after immediately following the service, our, as our postlude, we have a special guest postluder. If you have time, Alicia Peng will be playing on the violin, playing Zagunaweisen by Pablo de Serrate. Alicia is a student of Mark Rush, whose father is a church, is church member, Ted Rush. So if, if you want to just hang around for a little bit to hear some really beautiful music, I strongly encourage you to do that. All right, I invite you to rise or body your spirit. Let's greet each other, hand on the heart, another hand out to your community, people we're journeying with.
Blessed be. So she's ready to go for the postlude. So Alicia, if you're here, you can come on down. The rest of you grab a gray hymnal and open to number 368. Now let us sing and we will sing together our closing song. It's pretty repetitive, so if you just remember faith, hope, love, and joy, I'll call out those words and that's what you need to know. after for this very special postlude. Is Alicia here? Alicia, are you here? We hope you'll sing one last verse with us anyway. Do we have Alicia? Oh, we planned this. We were waiting for her. Okay. Oh, wait. Is she here? Send her on up right, right now. <laughs> There is some very, very special music coming, so we hope that you will want to stay for that. And in the meantime, may your week be filled with authentic, love-filled moments of connection. May it be so.